Hey friends, welcome to episode 47 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And friends, we have officially made it to the end of October, aka one of our favorite months of the entire year, because it is Down Syndrome Awareness Month. And we have had so much fun interviewing amazing narrative shifters this month and seeing all of you celebrate Down Syndrome Awareness along with us. It's so fun on social to get to see all of you guys shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome this month in such a loud way. Um, and it, we feel like it's what a better way to close out this month than an interview with Philip Clark, who will get us all thinking about the future for our kiddos with Down syndrome. We're really excited about this interview, guys. And speaking of awesome things in the future, da 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 we have our yeah. event that we've talked about already on this show, um, but we have a live event. It is happening in just a few weeks, friends. So if you haven't grabbed your tickets, you need to do that right now. You can push pause, get your tickets, and then push play. Or if you have two devices, you can do both at the same time, multitasking. Um, We would love for you to join us. And we have some really awesome special interviews we're going to be doing with celebrities who have Down syndrome, some incredible guests. It's going to be on Thursday, November 21st. 21st rather in Monrovia, California. So head to our website, theluckyfewpodcast.com for tickets and further information. And thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Okay, ladies, before we jump in with today's guest, which I'm very, very excited about, I think our listeners are going to be um, loving this one for sure. Let's talk a little bit about where we were at when we think about the future of our kids. So especially our kids with Down syndrome, the future can feel very daunting. Um, I feel like this is a question I get the, probably the most. I think it's siblings yeah. and future. And I remember when we said yes to adopting Mason, people will say, what, like, what do you think is going to happen in the future? Just yesterday, I was talking to someone. I'm doing an interview for something and to prep for the interview. That was one of the questions. Like, what do you think, what do you see for Mason and Augie's future? Um, It's a huge one, right? It's a huge one. And I think people have fears and hesitations. And so what do you think? Where are you at with that, that big, giant, daunting idea of the future for Ace, Micah? Mm. Well, I think it's definitely, I mean, one of the first thoughts I had after I got his diagnosis, right? Like, All of a sudden, this picture that you have of your life as a parent can just be turned upside down. Like you imagined having kids until they're all 18 and then they fly away and then you and your husband go like bash around Paris for a while, you know, this is, this is all everybody's dream, right? (laughs) Or just mine. Um, So then like suddenly... That idea, like all the, I feel like Chris and I always were having these conversations about someday when we, when our kids are older, then we're just gonna like spend three months living on the Riviera or something, like just ridiculous things. But um, all of a sudden you have this, all of that changes. You don't have that end date of this is when I'm done with parenting, Mm -hmm. even though we all know that that's not like, 
that's not necessarily true. All the millennials who moved back in with their parents. Sorry, Mercedes. I know you're a millennial. Oh, I didn't move in with my parents. <laughs> On my own since 18. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, we know that like this is like it's not the traditional thing anymore where you are done with the parenting and you kind of like send money to your kids in college and then they move on. But it still is a real shift of your perspective on what life is going to look like to think, okay, my kid will still be in the process of learning how to be independent when they're college age or like maybe my child will live with me maybe um my child will be live independently but will need to be close by you know whatever those thoughts are and i think that even just that initial shift is hard Mm -hmm. and important it's important to start thinking through yeah yeah totally mercedes what about you girl um i kind of okay so I don't know if it's my naivety or if it's my um, (laughs) lack of, um, I don't know, gusto to prepare for the future, but I very much knew it was something that I should do for each of my kids. I didn't um, put any extra emphasis on it being for, for Sunflower, though. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if it's like my Peruvian side where... I guess um, when you just have family, they come and go out of your house. I don't know. It's weird. Like that whole thing, like, would she be able to take care of herself? Is she going to move away? Like those things never, um, I don't know, bombarded me or like was daunting to me. And I don't expect her brothers to take care of her either. So then it's like, where did I expect this money to come from? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I didn't put any pressure. I didn't put much thought. All I wanted to think of was I just want others to be kind to Sunflower and for us to be able to come alongside her and help her dreams come true. Beyond that, I needed our next guest to write down and create a program <laughs> so that I knew what I should worry about and be prepared for. Yay. Yeah. yeah. You know, so for me, it was, um, I need that. It's not my gift, um, future planning, as far as, um, especially for Sunflower, what that means financially, what the best things are for her to put into place. Um, so this is definitely a topic that is needed for my education, for sure, and to make sure I take those steps. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting how so much depends on your your family of origin and kind of yeah. the the narratives that you already have in place um, as you think about the future. Because for me, I think I have been very much more relaxed about like, it'll be okay. Like we'll have some money. We'll figure it out. Um, and for my husband, he has a different story in his family of a close family relationship. Um, uh, who, and, and she has an intellectual difference and he has seen how lack of planning has caused a lot of pain in the family Mm -hmm. and a lot of, um, like lack of communication and 
people feeling pressured and uh, people feeling frustrated and hurt by by there not being anything laid out in terms of financial plans or um, or expectations on siblings or you know you kind of name it. Mm-hmm. And so I think when he he already had that narrative in his head. Mm-hmm. So when an ace came into our lives, that has been on the forefront of his mind, and he's had a lot of anxiety about like what kind of pressure will we put on our our kids, our older mm-hmm. boys, like this is how much we need to save. Um, but so much is like what you come into this with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know with us, I mean, there's so many layers to it because when Mason came home, she was so sick and one like to the point where we really didn't know how long she was going to live. And so thinking way future in those beginning years, it's like mm-hmm. Down syndrome is a back burner issue at this point. We have a child fighting for her life. And so right. we're, right. I mean, the doctor said to us, she may make it to five, maybe as old as eight years old. So then it's like, okay, we got to get to that. And in that process, really coming to grips with, well, all we have is today. Like the truth of all we have is today. And so why worry about tomorrow? But then you have to plan for it. So you can't be naive in that. Like there is a plan that needs to happen. And um, and then the conversation of when I, the first time Josh and I left the kids overnight, it was like, okay, if something happens to Josh and I, like, like we can't just think that everything's going to work out. We really have, like, we love our kids and loving them well. We have to plan for that. So I'm not, I mean, my hope and desire for Mason in August, I really hope they both get married and that they live with me, with their spouses (laughs) forever. That is what I want. (laughs) And I don't think they want that. And that's fine. We will, I will push for independence. I will not smother, but I'm not worried about that aspect, but it is, I will be gone and they hopefully Lord willing will live a much longer life than me. And there is a whole plan that needs to happen, you know, like there, it it isn't just going to unfold for any of our kids, but especially for our kids who have Down syndrome, you know, like truly may end up on my couch. We know True's not going to do that, but truly needs a plan too. And I can't, it's that weird balance. Like I'm not going to worry about the future, but how do we plan for it? And so I, I really feel listeners like this episode, it's really been important Mercedes, like Mercedes saying, it's been important for all three of us, for Mike and Mercedes and me. And that's why we're so excited today that we're going to get to interview Philip Clark. He's the founder and president of Enable Special Needs Planning. Um, this is a good one. This is a good one, guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. We're so excited. Are we ready, ladies? To Let's do it. All righty, dive in. Um, okay. Thank you for being here, Philip. Woohoo! For having me. I love yeah. you guys launched, so it's an honor to be with you guys. Oh, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I know you have a sister with Down syndrome, how she plays a role in launching um, Enable, which you'll tell us more about, and what is the goal of Enable? Yeah, um, there's a lot right there. But so right. my sister, Sarah, is 30 years old, and she really is the inspiration for how we as an organization serve families. And she's impacted my life in so many ways. You know, I could we could have a whole three-hour conversation, maybe longer, on how she's impacted my life, but also the community around us. And, and that has shaped how I view what planning should be. And that's our approach. Planning for a, a purposeful and impactful life for our loved ones is so important. And that's the center of our planning conversations that we have with, with each of our families. So I wasn't seeing that in the planning industry. I've been doing this for over 10 years. 
And early in my career, I saw that planning was only focused on what happens when my parents pass away. Mm-hmm. And that was the entire conversation. And it was a cookie cutter conversation. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that from a, a proud big brother standpoint. And I said, no, my sister deserves a plan that's going to allow her to feel purposeful, to feel impactful, to have a fulfilled life. And we have to focus on today. And I wasn't seeing that in the industry. And that's where Enable came about. I love it. Tell, so explain more what Enable is. So at Enable, we help families plan for their child's future, for their entire family's future, but we also help families plan for today. And it all goes back to that impact. And I think if I could, I'll share a story about Sarah that helps helps illustrate bigger and better why I serve families in the way that our organization does. But so when Sarah was born, I was four years old. And just like so many families that I've talked to throughout the country and just like so many families that you guys have talked to, my parents didn't get a congratulations from the doctors. Yeah. They heard, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. your daughter has Down syndrome. And over the next few weeks and few months, various doctors and nurses and professionals, each one by one gave my parents their limited expectations for Sarah's life. You know, my parents heard things like your daughter might not be able to ride a bicycle. She might not be able to ever be in a mainstream classroom or live independently. And that list just went on and on and on. And one of the things that the doctor or the doctors told my parents in their exact words was most kids with Down syndrome usually don't learn to read mm-hmm. and that you should expect the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we were to fast forward 30 years to when they heard that, they'd find my sister now working in a second grade classroom where one mm-hmm. of her main duties in that classroom is tutoring the kids on their own reading abilities. The doctor said she'd never be able to do. She is now helping others in that ability. And a few years ago, there was a particular child in Sarah's class who had fallen so far behind in his reading abilities. And the teacher had called the parents in to discuss her concerns. And the school year was only a few months from completion. And together, the teacher and the parents decided it'd be best to hold that child back in the second grade the following year. And for one reason or another, this teacher put Sarah with the students. And for a short time on a daily basis, he would spend time reading to her. And she would spend time reading to him. And together, they would walk through different comprehension worksheets. And at the end of the school year, to this teacher's astonishment, she found that this child had completely caught up to the rest of his peers. Mm. Fact would move on to second grade with the rest of his friends. And as my mom was telling me, you know, what had happened with that child and what Sarah had been able to do, of course, Sarah's demeanor perked up. You know, she had a grin from ear to ear and I could tell that she was so proud. She was so proud of that child, obviously, for everything he had worked for and everything he'd accomplished. But I also saw in that that she was so proud of herself. Yes. She was proud that she had the ability to make a difference in that child's life. And I think we all, everybody here in this, this conversation, everybody listening, we all strive to feel, to feel purposeful with our lives. And that's what allows us to be impactful and, and live a great life. And we are not unique in that ability. My sister's not unique in that ability and nobody's unique in that. Everybody has that ability to impact the lives of others. And so that's what I believe planning should be focused on. Mm-hmm. Planning should be focused on that question of what are we doing today that's going to allow our loved ones to live out their unique life of purpose and impact. It's really such a different lens to look at 
that planning. I, cause I feel like when we're talking for me in the past, when I talk about planning for the future, it, it all just kind of feels like a drag. Cause it's, it yeah. is, you know, like it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. sad and hard and I don't really want, I mean, no one wants to do it, but your guys' approach is so different. Um, I mean, that future part is important, but I love how it's taking that whole person and that their mm-hmm. needs and their wants, and their desires now into the future. Um, and all three of us, Mike and Mercedes and I, we've all had the opportunity to begin the planning process and really dive into it for our kiddos. It's incredible. Um, can you give our listeners a glimpse into what the process is as a whole? Yeah. So again, every single decision that we make throughout the entire planning process goes back to that. Are we getting closer to allowing our little ones to live this life of purpose? And, you know, like you just said, nobody wants to think about the far future of what happens when we're not here, but it's something that's necessary. And so how do we combine the two to make that process give you the peace of mind of knowing that the future is well taken care of, but also knowing that we're doing everything in our power today to allow that life purpose and impact to happen. So um, the first area of planning that we guide families through is the vision plan. And I believe that that's the most important step of the planning process because it helps us understand why we're planning in the first place. And that why is so important. I think that's a buzzword these days, find your why, Mm -hmm. but it's so important when it comes to planning because if we're honest with each other, nobody wants to plan right? Mm -hmm. It's not an exciting conversation and we get that. But when we can understand what this great life looks like for our loved ones, what it looks like today, what it looks like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we have to be able to envision why we're planning. And that helps us overcome a lot of those negative emotions and negative feelings when it comes to thinking about the future. But, you know, this vision plan is something that changes over time. Mm -hmm. Just like any of us, I don't know what my life is going to look like 10 years from now. I can have an idea of what it might look like, but next year, that 10-year vision might look very different. So I encourage families to, at least once a year, take a, take an afternoon, take an hour to revise and edit and update this vision you have for your child's life. And when the time's right, include your child. My sister should absolutely have a say of what her future looks like. Right. Yeah, for so. sure. So, so but take us a little further the process like someone hears this interview they're like yes i'm ready they contact enable and what are some what's the process going to look like so the process is is diving into this vision a lot deeper understanding what that is and then we have five areas of planning that we guide families through step by step helping them think through the legal decisions think through the financial decisions and think through what they're doing today and how they're documenting all of that important information to make sure that they're doing everything necessary to get closer and closer and closer to to what this great life looks like. Um, you know, to your question, every family's journey is unique and different because everybody's hopes and dreams for their loved ones is different. Everybody's challenges are different. So our approach is very unique for every family. While we have a structure and how we guide families through, the the plan is going to be different for every single family. Yeah. One of the things that I have really loved in this process um, of meeting with you, Philip, has been that I think when I first heard about um, what you were doing, I thought it would be solely focused on ACE. Like we would sit down with you and you would say, this is what you need to do for ACE. And we would say, okay. And we would like start, you know, putting money in places and writing down things. And instead, what I've found is that you, when you talk about the whole person, you're also talking about the whole family and that you have been very, um, very much part of 
conversations with us about what our entire future looks like, what what we are working through with our older sons, what you know Chris's career looks like and my career looks like. And um, I've really appreciated that. So I just wanted to add that to what we were just saying about the like the whole person. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's also the whole family. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I think my unique perspective comes obviously from my sister and understanding it's a family decision and a family conversation. Everybody's got to be on the same page. But as a sibling, I think that's even more my unique perspective because mm-hmm. I am going to be involved in Sarah's life today and every day in the future. And if something were to happen to my parents or if I was more in a support role for her than I am now, I have to understand what this entire plan means for me and my family so that we can best support Sarah. And so every single decision has to work within the entire family unit. And that includes grandparents and aunts and uncles, anybody who who has a, a decision-making ability with their loved one, potentially in the future, should be included in some of these conversations. And it's all got to work together. We have to be efficient in what we're doing from, especially from a financial planning standpoint, so that everything in your entire family unit is successful in that. Yeah. I love that. And I think that there's, um, you know, I think for anybody who is just starting to think about this stuff, that even just me adding that, like, oh, we got to think about the whole family as well. Like that can feel really overwhelming. Um, the process is just big, you know, when you're talking about, um, what happens when you die, what, what, you know, what you want your child's life to look like 20 years from now, all of those things can just feel so overwhelming. Um, what would you say to a family that might feel super overwhelmed by this process and not even know where to start? Yeah, that is where we really provide the most value. We have a process, but where we provide the most value is is helping you step by step along the way. It's not just this big checklist of things to do. It's here's how we need to start this in these few different areas. Let's tackle that together and then we can move on step by step so that this entire plan can happen, but it's not so overwhelming. Uh, Peace of mind is the biggest thing that families tell me that they have throughout the process, but especially after we're done because they see how how much more secure they feel and how much more confident they feel in their child's future and their family's future. And it really, I believe, comes down to our process and our way of, of helping families get through that without feeling overwhelmed. We try to make it as easy as possible for families. Hmm. Thanks, Philip. Okay, so our kids um, are still pretty young. But I feel like also maybe starting off young is a good place. What would you recommend for families in, in as far as starting the planning process? Sure. Good question. I get that question quite a bit, actually. The question usually is, when should I start? At what mm-hmm. age of my child? And you know, we can look at that from two different lenses, right? From the one lens, from a financial planning standpoint, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? None of us are given tomorrow. So we have to plan for those what ifs. And that's not an easy conversation, but that's one that we have to have. So in that lens, it's never too early to start because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But if we also look at that from what are we doing today that's going to allow our loved ones to continually flourish in their abilities and find new abilities and get closer to living that life of purpose and impact that we're truly planning for, 
again, it's, it's still never too early to start because we have to do the things today that's going to compound and build upon each other to help them feel fulfilled with their lives, to feel f- purposeful and impactful with their life. So there's no like timeline. Cause I know for me, sometimes when I don't have deadlines, like I think maybe that's what's such a daunting thing about future planning is there's no deadlines <laughs> and there's no like check-ins or whatever. But um, I think that's what's awesome about being a part of a program. Cause if you are a person like me that needs structure, that needs deadlines, it helps you to be able to not think future as like this outer space vast thing, but like, you know, there's, there's points, there's markers to hit. There is like, I don't know, there's a map and there's a destination and um, that's that's really neat. So I kind of think anybody listening, you could start right now. You could start. It's never too early is what you're kind of essentially saying. And it's never too late. Yeah, it's, it's never too, too early. Um, <laughs> there are times where it becomes more difficult to plan the longer you wait. Unfortunately, I see that yeah, a lot. A lot of families come to me and say this unfortunate life event has just happened what do we do now and it's tough at some points it's it's very difficult to plan for families too long so i encourage families not you know i hate focusing on that because we're not focusing on the what is in life you know know. abundance that our child has and our loved ones have but unfortunately that's the reality of life we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring so you're right it's never too early to begin planning and that's the accountability part of that Mercedes, like you said, that's so important to the families that we serve, helping understand what accountability they need so that they feel like they're making progress and they have a team behind them, walking them through that and keeping them accountable. Hmm. Um, was your family always good about your sister's future planning? Is that a personal question? No, that's great. I love the personal <laughs> questions. Those are great. <laughs> Yes and no. Uh, Yes, from a standpoint of my family did everything in our power to provide Sarah the opportunities to improve her reading abilities, to improve her social um, interactions. Anything we could do to help her prepare for her future, we did. I I joke with families sometimes um, that I felt like I lived in a minivan growing up because we were driving two hours at a time all the time to different doctor's appointments and therapies and, you know, all the above. And but I, it was so important for me, even from an early age, that I knew that we were doing this to help Sarah in her future. And I think as a sibling, that's just something that I brought on myself of understanding that this was for Sarah and this was a, a great thing. So from a providing opportunities for Sarah, my family did everything that we could. Uh, unfortunately, my parents got some bad guidance and bad advice early mm-hmm. on from a financial and legal planning standpoint that you know, when I decided to come into this industry, I was able to find and help them correct. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of families I've talked to who have felt secure in what they were doing, but since they got bad guidance, they had a false sense of hope. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago too, uh, about that it's not ever necessarily too late, but it can be harder the later you go. So we know that everyone listening with little kids or have a child with Down syndrome or a disability, and you work with any not just kids with Down syndrome, right? Like families have. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Any, any sort of special needs or any, any families who might need future assistance for their child in okay. the future. Okay. Um, but if, so we know everyone who has a child with a disability right now, is going to 
contact you guys and get get rolling here in, in yeah. for, for our future <laughs> and our children's futures. But if someone does, like you said, people will contact you and there's been an event that's happened that it's like, okay, now we actually have to think about this. We haven't thought about it. Um, is there a place within Enable for that as well? Absolutely. We can help in no matter what stage of life families are in, we can come in and, and help them be more efficient, propel them into what they can do um, to the best of, of our ability and to the best of their ability, given their situation. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so we're going to close things up here in a minute. But before we do that, what, what tell our listeners something else that's so important, why planning is so important, and how they can use Enable. It, it all comes, I've talked about that a lot. It all comes down to peace of mind. It all comes down to purpose and impact. And Sarah's, I always give the examples of my sister because she's my inspiration for how I serve families, but her, the way she finds purpose to her life is very different today than it did five years ago. So this planning process isn't just a set it and forget it. It's a ongoing, let's, let's have this exciting conversation of how we can continue providing those opportunities for her to feel purposeful with her life. And that's, I believe, is the most important part of the planning process and conversation. And that comes with that peace of mind. Um, I have a ultimate guide and a free ebook that I'd like to offer any of your listeners to help get started. Um, I'll send you guys the link so you can put it in the show notes if you want to. But it's mm-hmm. www.enablesnp, as in special needs planning.com forward slash get dash the dash guide. So <laughs> I will send that to you guys. But um, in this, we had just, you know, 20, 30 minutes to talk about this. Each of these five areas of planning goes into so much more detail inside this ebook. And so it's a free ebook that would love for your listeners to download. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I, so as we're recording this, uh, it is the day after my grandmother's funeral. She passed away this past weekend and she was a woman who planned. She was a planner and she was deeply frugal and deeply generous. And I just keep thinking about that as we've, you know, celebrated her life this weekend and, um, and how many, I mean, from, from making, you know, about a hundred quilts and writing secretly the name of who it belongs to for us to find later, um, to, to the, the stocks she gave and and saved for us and used for college scholarships for her grandkids and um and you know she only ever bought generic canned food you know that kind of thing <laughs> but, <laughs> but i i just think like it's so much more on my mind i think growing up i always laughed at how she planned for the future because it was just so extreme and this weekend, I got to just celebrate how beautiful that is mm-hmm. to leave a legacy for your family, to uh, to know that what you're doing right now in advance is is setting your your children and their children up for peace and for hope and for all the things that they could become. And I just appreciate that so much. And I think, and we want to thank you, Philip, for mm-hmm. how you are helping us and um, so many other families do that, make that future for our kids live. Um, put, I'm trying to think of how to say it, put hope out there that our kids can live into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so thanks for being on the show, Philip. 
we would love for you to stick around and we're going to take a little break and come back for some good news. Does that sound okay? I'll be here. That's great. All right. Let's do it. We'll be right back. Time for, I think we're going to go country today. Oh, good. Good news down in my heart today. Good news all along the road. That sounded so country, Micah. Hey! (laughs) Just like spot on the genre. Just spot on. (laughs) All along the road. Um, Okay, I would never take that away from you, Micah. You're so good at it. (laughs) I love it so much. Okay, Philip, will you start us off about a good news with Sarah? Would love to. So we just got back from New York City. Uh, from the NDSS Buddy Walk in New York City. And Sarah's picture was actually showcased on Times Square uh, with a lot of other individuals with Down syndrome. And that was so cool, really, because, so I'll give you a little bit of a story about that, but we found out Sarah's picture was gonna be on there and she was so excited. She knew what Times Square was from from movies that she likes. And then we asked her, we said, do you wanna go? And she said, no. She's very routine and likes the things that she's familiar with. But we talked her into going, and a day into the New York City trip, she looked at us and she said, This is so much fun. I love New York City. So it's so cool to see her expand and more and more different experiences and get outside her comfort zone. So we had a great family trip, and that was fun seeing her picture on Times Square. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, I've got good news. This is just. I sometimes I feel like saying it's silly good news, but it's never it's never silly. We did a road trip this recently, and it was eight hours in the car, and um, the kids, all three of them, were so amazing. Like Josh and I got home, mm-hmm. and we're just like, "Thank you guys for being amazing." And August is such a good road tripper. He just sits. I think he would really just sit in his car seat the whole eight hours and just be like. Happens a little clam. Little August. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to entertain them while we while we drive, but um, that feels like some good news. Easy road trippers. I yes. hate. Ro- I absolutely awesome. hate road trips. So I'm the worst one in the car. So funny. <laughs> That's my good news, Mike. What do you got? I got. Um, so, so Ace and I traveled for my grandmother's funeral, and when we were flying back, uh, he's flown with me so many times already that he's just like a total pro and now that I've realized that you can like get the disability pass and yeah. get be the first ones on he's like just steps in and it's totally empty and he does like the big step over that you can see the air you know when you're like coming onto the plane underneath you um but we were sitting down and the captain came on and said we've now been cleared for what is it that they say we've been cleared for not takeoff is it not takeoff they, there was, it's another, there was another word that a word that I really wouldn't have expected Ace to know. Um, uh, departure, departure. That was the word. So the, the captain said, we've been cleared for departure and Ace turned to me and we, we know that Ace is not quite verbal. And so there's so, so often I'm just not sure like what he's getting and what he's not. And he turned to me and just started laughing and jumping up and down and squealing. And and I was like, you're ready to depart. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed. And um, I was just super pumped that departure is in his vocabulary. 
That's a big word. That's awesome. I know. I love What about you, Mercedes? Um, uh, Sunflower has just been really into homeschool and crafting all the fall crafts. And I don't know, we've hit a really good groove. At least we did for this week. So I'm going to just hang my hat on that and call yeah. that, Girl, that forever. My homeschool journey. Um, yes. So that's been good news. And then I also have good news from a listener. Um, let me share with you guys from KSDWAL. My son Joe is 17, a senior in high school and has Down syndrome. We live in Omaha and he has invited or he was invited to go to Chicago for a Special Olympic Unified Training. He flew to Chicago with a unified partner from school and is staying at a four-star hotel. Woohoo! He has meetings this weekend and he and his partner are tasked with coming up with ideas to bring back to his high school to make it more unified. Each state presents ideas at the conference on Sunday. And he was so excited to go and said he is having a great time. And this has been a proud mama moment for our listener. I love that. I That's love so that. fun. I have I have one too from a um, from Sarah Roscoe um, about her younger son who is not 17 but is 19 months. Miles. Um, Sarah says... Miles is not pointing much yet. I wanted to see if he knew some animals. We were reading Old MacDonald, and I asked him to point to the cow. He took my hand and pointed to the cow. He did the same thing with the horse, dog, cat, goat, and sheep. He knows his animals, even though he can't physically show me yet. Oh. Uh, Miles. Oh, so Miles and Joe, crushing life. Crushing it. Oh, friends, we love, love, love hearing your good news. Um, we want to hear from all of you who are listening. And so share your good news about your loved one with Down Syndrome. You can leave us a voicemail at 424-442-9147 and share your good news. And if you happen to have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down Syndrome, then we would love to partner with you. And you can email us at hello at the luckyfewpodcast.com for any and all sponsorship opportunities. And a huge, huge thank you to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, our co-producer, Val Schleter. Um, we're grateful for this episode's sponsor. We're so thankful for Philip and Enable and everything that they're doing and that he was able to join us today on the podcast. Um, and thank you to all of you who have shared the Lucky Food Podcast with your friends who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Then head to theluckyfeepodcast.com to purchase your tickets for Thursday, November 21st, our live event. You won't regret it. Grab your girlfriends. This is a family event. Bring your family. Um, go on a date night. Come alone. However you get there, get there. I promise you, you will be so glad. Again, head to theluckyfeepodcast.com to purchase your tickets. And remember that you are dear, dear listeners supporting your loved one with Down syndrome. You are a shadow of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on because we are cheering for you. We will see you all next Monday on Lucky Few Podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. 
You can also support the show now via Anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.